Thank you so much. Great is the Lord's faithfulness, opportunity to be here today. I tell you, thank you for being here. Look at you. You have come and filled the place. I don't know if it was time change or because your team won. Either way, every week it's going to be time change and your team's going to win. But we're glad you're here today. Take your Bibles if you would find Genesis chapter 48. We are uh, concluding our series on Joseph today, but what a great day to be in the Lord's house. And as we move into Thanksgiving, Christmas season, you want to be a part of every service, all the things that are happening. We've got a special Thanksgiving service coming up in a couple of weeks. Then we'll have some Christmas celebrations and just a wonderful time, not only to be here, but for also for you to be here. Also want to take a uh, point of personal privilege, I guess, and uh, it will soon be, not quite there yet, but soon be five years that I have been your pastor. And let me just say a word of appreciation. I thank the Lord every day for you and for opportunity to be able to uh, be the pastor of this church and uh, no place I'd rather to be, no place I'd rather preach, no place I'd rather pastor. I want to thank the Lord for you all and uh, I want to tell you over the last five years it has uh, been an opportunity to uh, grow in the Lord, uh, know more of God's Word as we have learned together and been able to uh, perhaps learn how we might be able to reach more people for Christ and we want to continue to grow in the Lord and it's what it's about. Hopefully you've learned by now even as you come into this place of worship it is a time in which God's word will be the center. Jesus is the center of all that we do. God's word the center of all that is preached and all that is taught and we come and learn from God's word and this whether this is one of your first Sundays or you have been here hopefully you know by now that these will be times that we will learn more about the Bible. It is His unsearchable riches. We'll learn more about the Bible. We'll also hopefully be inspired to live for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And along with that, uh, we will find application for daily living and for what the Lord would have us to do. So it is uh, our desire, our covenant together that we will do these things. And I'm glad that you're here today. And it's okay for you to look happy to be here. So we, I'm glad that you're here as well. Well, uh, there is an... Uh, tombstone in the northeastern part of the United States with an epitaph that reads. We'll see if we can't put that here on the screen for you. It reads like this. thought this was interesting. Here lies the body of old man Pease buried beneath the flowers in the trees. But Pease ain't here, just the pod. Pease shelled out and went to God. Well, I thought that was kind of interesting. Another one that would uh, have come across says something like this. It says, here lies the body of Mary Ann Brown. At death she weighed out at 400 pounds. But now in sweet repose she rests in peace and joy on Abraham's breast. Then some smart aleck came along and added this. It may be sweet for Mary Ann, but it's awful tough on Abraham. <laughs> there is a tombstone that, uh, there by an atheist that says this. It says, all dressed up and no place to go. C.S. Lewis came across this tombstone and he added these words. I bet he now wishes that that were so. Sometime back, I remember reading the Alabama Baptist newspaper. had an article on about last will and testament, things that you ought to be able to leave behind, being ready for the inevitable, uh, should the Lord tarry. And it, you know, how you might be ready for that, be help family things, graveside, all those kinds of things, funeral services and all those things that may be helpful. might be a subject that we don't always like to talk much about, the importance of making a will, being prepared for helping the family not to have to make too many decisions and loved one not leaving them with a financial burden. We also want to leave something behind, we think, perhaps. We want to leave a, maybe a bank account or life insurance, an inheritance of property or such. 
And as important as maybe some of these things may be, I hope that today we'll see that leaving the intangible things for others that comes from knowing and having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, these are the most important things. In the book of Genesis, Jacob, which we're going to read in Genesis 48 in just a moment, Jacob has moved to Egypt to be near Joseph and his grandsons. And in, the next, in this chapter we're going to read, he calls his sons to give his last will and testament of what he is leaving behind. And it, very, it has very little to do with the tangible or with the physical, the material. However, what he's leaving behind and what he says is of great significance. So I'm going to invite you this morning to step into the bedchamber of a 147-year-old patriarch and for us to be able to listen to what he is going to be saying in his very last hours to his sons and to his grandsons. And as we read today and as you listen, maybe depending on your season of life, maybe in how you listen to this. If you're a young person or a teenager or a child, it may be that you want to listen as if you're listening to a grandparent. And you may be thinking this is the very last words that my grandparents are going to say to me and I want to be able to remember these very words. It may be that if you're a grown adult, you want to hear these words as words to emulate and an example to follow to get you through the tough times and to help you to celebrate the good. And as a seasoned adult, you may want us to read this chapter and you want to listen that these are the things for what you want to leave behind and these things for what you care about the most. Now you've got notes there, a place that you could write notes most of the time, not always, but most of the time I have places you can fill in the blank. But here's just some things that if you want to write some things down, you have opportunity to do that. I'm going to make this argument for you though today. We're going to talk about from this chapter the very most, the very, the very most important things that you need to leave behind or that you need to follow as an example. Now I say that and that's pretty uh, high, high regarding words I guess to be able to put out there for you today. But we're going to see it in these verses, and then we're also going to be able to see it proven in the New Testament as well. So, let's begin to read. We're going to read, first of all, Genesis chapter 48. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, which says this. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and set up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of your brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way where there was some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. May the Lord bless the reading of His Holy Word. And we'll stop right there now for a moment. Old timers sometimes will be able to tell you everything that happened maybe 50 years ago, give you every detail of things that they can remember, but a long time ago, but they can't remember exactly what's happening today or maybe even where they place their bifocals. Now, I don't mean to say that out of disrespect because I'm the one who has to find my bifocals and I can't ever remember exactly where some of those things are. I only want to say that wisdom comes with age and experience is sometimes overlooked. 
we've talked about over the last few weeks as we've talked about Joseph wanting to be like Joseph, wanting to emulate Joseph. Well, we want to do that today because Joseph desires to hear what his aging father has to say. He's been busy taking care of the business of his adopted country's government. You think you're busy. You think your job is important. Well, think about the things that Joseph is doing now as the one who's in charge of the greatest world power, perhaps, of that day. But when he hears his father is sick, he comes to him, and he's brought his two sons along to catch some of the wisdom that is being said. And Jacob also called Israel, same name, same person, two different names. Jacob tells how God appeared to him in the past in the land of Luz. Luz is a real place. It's not like the land of Oz. In fact, the name of Luz was changed to Bethel after this appearing of God to Jacob. Bethel means house of God. And if you know anything about Jacob, you know that Jacob is a bit of a rascal. He has a rebellious nature. He blackmailed his brother Esau into giving him his birthright. He tricked his aging father Isaac into giving him the family blessing by pretending to be Esau. He manipulated his father-in-law so that he might gain more wealth, although his father-in-law tricked him into marrying his oldest homely daughter. Now, I'm just giving it the way the Bible tells it. But unlike Joseph, Jacob was not characterized by walking the straight and narrow until his encounter with God at Bethel, and there is life change, and God blessed him. And he's talking about when God blessed him and when he had that change at Bethel or in the land of Luz. And there he discovered the love that God had for him, even a rebellious fellow like him. And there God blessed him and told him that he would become a great nation and that his uh, people would possess the promised land. And now he's passing along that blessing to Joseph. Now what happened next must have been a shocker. Because he adopted the two sons of Joseph. He adopted Manasseh and Ephraim and, uh, as his own so that he would give them each an inheritance. Now, this is his last day on earth. He's not going to live but a few more hours, so there's not going to be a long adoption. But in this way, Joseph and his family would receive a double blessing and they would receive his name, the name of Israel. God had changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means prince of God or one who strives with God. It's a tribute that's taking place of his love for Joseph. Now, notice what takes place here. He talks about the place of Bethel, where he discovers that God loves him. And he shows great love for Joseph and his grandsons by adopting them so that they can receive a double portion of the blessing, the family blessing. Then he seems to get off the subject a little bit. Take a look at verse 7 again. We read it just a moment ago. It talks about all these things. Then in verse 7, he seems to wander off. As for me, when I came to Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died, and there I buried her near Bethlehem. Now, we might ask, what does this have to do with everything else that he's been talking about, that he's going to talk about? Some have disregarded this as maybe a 147-year-old man kind of rambling a little bit. But it had everything to do with it, for he paid tribute to the Lord, he paid tribute to his son and his love for his son and his grandchildren. Now he's paying tribute to the love of his life, Rachel. For the story of Jacob and Rachel is one of the great love stories of all time, one of the great love stories of the Old Testament. Jacob sees Rachel from afar. And when he sees her, he sees her. She's actually shepherding and taking care of his father's sheep. And he was struck by her at that moment. And from that day forward, he plotted how he was going to make her his wife. He had to work 14 years for his father-in-law before he could marry Rachel. You know what the Bible says about it? The Bible says, The years seemed like but a day because of the love that he had for her. 
And then she died giving birth to his 12th son, her second son, Benjamin. It was buried near Bethlehem. Of course, what a great transition as we kind of move into the holidays. We'll be talking about Bethlehem in a few weeks. But now over a half century later, he gives tribute to her on his deathbed and he gives the birthright and the blessing that's been passed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and now to Joseph and Joseph's sons. Have you, ever, have you figured out yet the first thing that Jacob is leaving? It's not the birthright. It's not the blessing. It's the love of God. It's love, no matter what language we may have it in or know what language it may be. It is about love, and it's about finding confidence in God's love. He expresses His love for Almighty God, for Joseph, His grandsons, for His wife. Let us not wait to express a testimony about a God that has shown us love and expressed Christian love toward others. Not just our family, those who are like us and those who are easy to love. One of our themes for this year, in fact, our theme for this year has been about intentional relationships. Building relationships, particularly maybe with those outside our family or outside our fellowship, those who are in our community who need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We want to express love to others, even those who are not like us. So we express love in the community. We all do want to express love in the church. In fact, lots of the New Testament talks about how we're to love one another as the body of Christ. And we want to grow in that love. And guess what? I think we are growing in that love. And we need to do that more and more. And we need to express that certainly in our family as well. Men, may we leave a good legacy by loving our wives like Christ loved the church. Wives are to love and respect their husbands. What will you leave behind? Leave behind a legacy of a good marriage and a good family. If not great, then leave down a legacy that you've worked to make it great. As believers, when we make decisions, whether it be decisions in regard to our family or regard to our marriage or even to divorce, what we're leaving behind about God's love should weigh heavily on every decision. I have a good friend from uh, Walker County, Alabama, when he graduated high school, he took a senior trip to Hawaii. And there he's in Hawaii with uh, some buddies and friends, and they were staying in a condominium or a hotel. One day he got in an elevator, and a group of girls got on the elevator with him, at least on one of the floors. And he noticed a particular girl on that elevator. As far as I know, nothing was said on that elevator, but when it came to his floor and he got off, he got off and he turned around, and before the elevator door closed, he stopped the door. And he had several girls in the elevator, but he looked at the one. Didn't know who she was. Didn't even know where she was from. She's from Prattville, Alabama. Happened to be. He looked at her and he said, I'm going to marry you one day. <laughs> now, young men, if you're looking for that, what you think is that uh, line that works, you know, looking for that line to make your first approach, that might be it for now. That friend has been married to that girl for nearly 40 years. Now, yours may not be a storybook marriage or a storybook family or a storybook walk with God or a perfect life. You may hear, be here today and say you've made mistakes and leaving a, behind a good legacy, you think that might be pretty hard, much less one of a Christian love. Thank goodness we serve a loving God who is forgiving. The story of Jacob is the story of mistakes. 80 to 90% of what we know about Jacob in the Old Testament is about what he did wrong in life. But because God is gracious, he's able to leave the message of love behind to others. It's not too late to give yourselves over to Him. Repent by turning from something, turning from sin and self and turning toward someone, turning toward the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who loves you and invites you to experience His love personally. But that's not all that Jacob leaves behind. 
we're in Genesis chapter 48. We're going to read verses 8 and following. If you have your Bibles open, Genesis chapter 48 and verse 8, we're going to read through 19. It reads like this. When Israel saw Joseph's son, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so they could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God's let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, Manasseh in his left hand, toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, in his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was first born. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who's been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angels who redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Verse 17 reads, When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people. He shall also be great. Nevertheless, the younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Again, may the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Jacob gives his last will and testament. He looks up and says, who are these? As if he didn't notice Manasseh and Ephraim standing there. Well, he's almost blind, we're told by now. It may have been, or it may just been more of a formal way of calling them closer. And Joseph said to his elderly, almost blind father, Dad, you remember my sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, whom God has given me since I've been in Egypt. Do you notice that almost every time Joseph opens his mouth, he gives tribute to the Lord or credit to God in some way? Jacob says, bring them here, they will receive the blessing. And Jacob, known as Israel, testifies to the goodness and unexpected hope that comes from knowing God. He says, I never expected to see your face again. He thought Joseph was dead. He said, but now the Lord has allowed me not only to be able to see your face, but also to be able to see your offspring, see your sons. Joseph brings them closer and they bow before him. And Joseph purposely brings the older one, Manasseh, to come to be on the right hand of Jacob and Ephraim on the left because Manasseh's older going to receive the, uh, the, more, the greater blessing. But a curious thing takes place. When he begins to give the blessing on the boys, he crosses his hands. And instead of putting his right hand on the older one, Manasseh, he puts his hand instead on the younger one, on Ephraim. The Bible says that Joseph was displeased with this. Now that's a curious thing because almost never do we find where Joseph, I would argue, did a lot of things wrong or that he was ever displeased with anyone. But here he says he's displeased with his father. He's surely thinking he's a senile old man. He can't tell which one is which and he's kind of confused on what's going on. So he takes his hand, takes his right hand and tries to move it over to Manasseh so that he'll receive the blessing of the older and the more, the greater blessing. But Jacob knew what he was doing. In fact, Jacob's response in verse 19 says, he says, I know that the older one will be a great nation. 
be a great people, will become great. He says, but the younger one will become even greater. He knew what he was doing. He was feeble, almost blind, but he had spiritual eyes to know what God would use in the future as a leader in the family, even in a prophetic way. Ephraim did become the stronger of the ten northern tribes. As a matter of fact, we find many times in the Bible when they refer to the ten northern tribes, instead of calling them out by name, they'd say the tribes of Ephraim, just as the one. And he did become the greater. Joshua was from that tribe. God's unique way of choosing always gives hope. We may not realize it, but Jacob's words give us hope. Because God does not choose things the way we naturally would or the way the world does. This is one of the many times that God chose the younger instead of the older like He did with Isaac instead of Ishmael or Jacob instead of Esau or Moses instead of Aaron or David just like He did with Joseph instead of one of His older brothers. Not because He always chooses the younger instead of the older, but because His ways are not our ways. While the world looks on the outward of people, we know that God looks on the heart. And while the world may or may not choose us to be on the world's team, God always chooses not only to be on His team, but to be in the starting lineup on His team every day. There is hope because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We want to live this life in hope and leaving behind not only a demonstration in love, but also hope for all people, for we love for whom God has granted us wisdom. And here's what hope does for us. Hope gives us confidence for future living. Not a maybe or maybe not kind of hope, but the kind of hope that says, yes, we know that it's true. We hope because we have hope in the future because of what Christ has done for us in the past. So, so far you might see a pattern here, what's going on, because here Jacob, he's leaving some of the most important things behind. He leaves love, God's love. He leaves hope, confident hope. But also there's, some, there's more. We're reading the whole chapter here. We read the first 19 verses of Genesis 48. Let's read 21 through 22. Or 20. Verse 20 says, So he blessed them that day, saying, But you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you, will bring you again to the land of your fathers, Moreover, I have given to you, rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the land of the Amorites with my sword and my bow. May the Lord bless the reading again of His holy word. My, uh, my grandparents were Methodist, and uh, I would often, when I was young, go and uh, you know, stay for the weekend, go to church with them. And I was always curious about what they believed, both Methodist versus Baptist, because my parents were Baptist, and I was raised Baptist. And... And found curious about not only what Methodists, but of course all denominations and other religions uh, certainly believed. And now my grandfather dabbled in many things. Both my grandmother and grandfather have gone to be with the Lord. And I preached both of their funerals. And, but my grandfather had owned a couple of businesses in Birmingham. He was an electrician by trade and so involved in a lot of different things. But when he retired, he made wooden toys. Lots and lots of different kind of wooden toys from wooden guns to wooden uh, trains to wooden rocking horses. His, his garage was Santa's workshop 365 days a year. In fact, if you went ever in the 90s to a craft show, probably anywhere in the state, my grandfather was probably there selling his wooden toys. And he would often get up early in the morning and go to work, and he'd work all night and 
all the time, probably a little bit more of a workaholic, but he passed along a good work ethic. One of the things that I also remember doing, particularly in his retirement, but also even before then, uh, he loved to fish. And uh, he would take me fishing from time to time. And what I really remember about us fishing was him being a little impatient with me, that uh, always, you know, don't scare the fish, be still, don't move, be quiet. You know, he was of the generation that kids, I thought, were, he might have thought they were better seen than her. Of course, I was about 28 years old at the time. No, I was about eight or nine probably. And you know how eight and nine-year-olds are when fishing that uh, my line would get caught somewhere, it'd get hung, I'd lose the fish, get hung up with his, and he was always real impatient with my eight and nine-year-old ways. And uh, One of the things he began also to do in his retirement years is he began to read the Bible more. And just a few years before he died, he called me up and he said, he said, I got something that I want you to do for me. And I said, well, sure, what, what would you like for me? He said, well, I've been reading my Bible more. And he said, I, feel, I want to be baptized by immersion in believer's baptism. I've been a Christian for a long time. I know it doesn't make a difference than whether I'm able to get to heaven. It's just something that I feel that I wanted to do. So we set up a time, and on a Sunday morning at my father's church, I baptized my grandfather. Now, he was a little bit of a tall man, and uh, plus he, was, uh, he could have been close to 90 by that, that time. And, and uh, so in being wanting to be real gentle with him as I baptized him, I kind of got hold of him, and I, I believe I almost got baptized along with him. And it, so much so that I was wearing waders, and uh, water filled my waders. And for, so the rest of the service, I had wet pants. But guess what? I didn't care. One of the great privileges. When I remember my grandfather, I won't necessarily remember how impatient he was with me. Is the top thing, you know, in my, when I was young, we were fishing. I won't necessarily remember just that he had a good work ethic, though he did, and I'm glad he passed that along to other family members as well. But I, what I remember is living, growing faith that was his testimony. In the New Testament, Jacob is remembered. But he's not remembered as one who blackmailed his brother and tricked his father. Not even as the one who physically wrestled with God and saw a ladder that led to heaven. But he's remembered as the one who blessed his loved ones and gave testimony to them. How do we know that in the New Testament? Because in Hebrews chapter 11, that great roll call of faith that talks about the patriarchs, all the great men and women of faith in the New Testament and what in the Old Testament what demonstrated their faith. Here's what it says about Jacob in Hebrews 11:21. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. The writer of Hebrew was saying that his greatest act of faith was what he left to those whom he loved. Read again his testimony in verse 15 of Genesis 48. It says, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life long to this day, God is my shepherd. Have you heard that before? Centuries before David wrote Psalm 23. We have Jacob saying God is his shepherd. In fact, I meant to look it up. Maybe the very first time that God is referred to or the Lord is referred to as my shepherd. And Jacob knew that God was the shepherd of his life. He knew him as his redeemer just as we know Christ is our redeemer. And he also says in verse 21, if you'll take a look at that verse again as well, he says, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be, will, will be with you and will bring you to the land of your fathers. 
Just as God had been with him, he'd be with Joseph, bring him to the promised land. And Jesus said to his disciples and to us, Jesus, New Testament, says to the disciples and to us, I will be with you to the very end of the age. He's promised to be with us to the end or till he returns, till he takes us to be home with him in heaven. Do you remember the story in the New Testament of Peter when he walked on water? You remember there was a storm that came. Jesus came walking on the water. They thought he was ghost. He said to his eye, and Peter says, If it's you, Lord, then let me walk out there to you. And he gets out of the boat. He was the only one that got out of the boat and began walking on water. And you remember the story, of course, as long as he has his eyes on Jesus, he's walking, but then he turns, he looks at the wind and the storms that's coming, and he begins to sink. Now, we've often told that story, and we often tell it like this. We often tell it, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus or we'll sink. And you know, that's a good lesson for us to learn. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. But I don't think it's the main thrust of that story. I think the main lesson of the story of Peter walking on the water and Peter beginning to sink is that Jesus keeps His eyes on you no matter what whether you're keeping your eyes on Him or not. Because what happened, as soon as He began to sink, there was Jesus. He grabbed Him, He redeemed Him, He saved Him, and He put Him back in the boat. Jacob testified that God had been with him, even when he took his eyes off God. And God would be with Joseph to have faith means that we can live with confidence. We want to leave behind faith that helps others to be able to live with confidence. Now, if you know the story, if you know the story of Joseph, you know when Jacob dies, the 11 brothers, or at least 10 of the brothers, begin to worry. Because they begin to say, now that Jacob is gone, now that their father is gone, Jacob, Joseph is going to get revenge on us. He's going to want to get retribution and vengeance for what they did to him when they threw him into a pit and then sold him uh, into slavery. Now by now the whole family, they've been in Egypt for 17 years and Joseph had already forgiven them, but they're still worried. And so they go to Joseph and they ask again, would you please forgive us? We'll be your slaves, Joseph, they tell him, if you'll forgive us of this thing. But Joseph tells them, don't be afraid, don't worry. He's already forgiven. Not only has he forgiven them, but he tells them he'll provide whatever they need for them and all of their families. And then there comes this verse. It's found in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. If you want to look at it, it's going to be on the screen. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. It's a verse that we've talked about already in these past few weeks. It is the crux. It's a shorter, at least shorter part of that verse of all that we've been talking about. And it's, it's what we remember that Joseph said, because as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Because, you see, they were God's people. Joseph had been found in God's place. Well, guess what? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you've given your heart and life to Him. You're God's people. You're found in God's place on this earth, ready to serve Him. And whatever's happening, it doesn't mean that we can't make wrong choices, but whatever's happening in our life, whatever evil comes our way, even when we've made mistakes, God's working for good. He's working to bring about good in your life, to grow you, to use your circumstances, to use your testimony, to use whatever you're going through so that other people might be influenced for these important things. You see, God is the hero of the story. God is our hero. He's the hero of your story because He continues to be at work even today. 
Jacob gives to Joseph, and then Joseph gives to the rest of the family a faith that will allow them to live with confidence. Do we not find ourselves sometimes worried, maybe fretting over the past, even though we've been forgiven? Satan wants us to live in guilt. Some try to work for their salvation or for forgiveness, just like the brothers who wanted to be slaves in order to earn the forgiveness from Joseph. But faith in Jesus tells us there's no reason to worry if we've come clean with God. We could not earn our salvation if we tried, but Jesus paid the price and He'll provide for our every need. Wouldn't you like to be able to live with confidence? And for those around you to be lived with confidence, those people that you love, wouldn't you like to give assurance as a gift to those you care about? Well, it's not going to come with any monetary or tangible thing that you could leave behind. No matter what inheritance that you think that you might be ready to leave or what inheritance you might receive. What did Jacob leave behind? Love, hope, and faith. Are these the most important things? <laughs> well... It's more than interesting that when we get to the New Testament, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, when all else is said and done, when everything else has fallen away, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Are our musicians ready to come forward? I'm going to ask them to come forward at this time and begin to get ready. As you see them preparing, take you just a few moments, and let's kind of prepare for the end of the service as we come to this time and our song of response so that today we might be ready even at this time to be able to say Lord we want to know what's most important for our life we want to know what's most important for us to be able to have an influence on others he's revealed that to us today he's revealed that throughout the Bible throughout the New Testament but also in this Old Testament story of Joseph so this morning I want to ask you are you leaving a clear path for others to follow will others know your clear testimony Today, maybe you have discovered or maybe you've been reminded of what's really important. Today, you can begin a new and a fresh and a deeper walk with Jesus. As we sing here in just a moment, it may be that the Lord's leading you to make a public decision today. Maybe today the Lord's leading you to give your heart and life to Christ. You want to know what's most important in this life and what's most important for the next. And we'll reveal that. And if you need to come, you come giving your heart and life to Jesus today. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to make Parkway Baptist Church part of your church family. You just come and let us know that you want to be a part of the family. You come by transfer of letter, come by statement of faith, come by watch care or through baptism. We encourage you to come. It could be that you want to come and pray at the altar, pray with one of our staff today. We give you that opportunity to do that as well. But as we sing together, let's not just go through the motion of singing our song of response but let us move inside or out with what the Lord would have you to do today. Would you stand, please? You come as the Lord leads and as we sing together. <laughs>